0: As I was sitting in a um, in a screening room on the Sony lot Saturday night, watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. you were at the Ace downtown <laughs> doing the uh, Boogie Nights screening with Larry,
1: which is kind of weird, isn't it?
0: And uh, it struck me while watching it that basically Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is Tarantino's Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a, there's a real tandem between P.T. Anderson and Tarantino on. Those are, they're both nostalgic films about certainly the film industry, different aspects of the film industry, yeah. but they also, they, they just connect to a lot of, they just, they, they capture a time and place. They're kind of doing, and they're all, they're both talking about family. Yeah. Oh, they're both about family. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, PT is being very specific. Brad is being a little bit more broad. Yeah. PT shooting in '96, you know, the film came out '97, yeah. uh, but mostly set in '77. Works yeah. its way up to about what '80, '81, '82, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then of course Brad, '1969, uh, yeah. uh, um, uh, Hollywood, and and it's really sort of interesting because watching. Boogie Nights. Yeah. Which is hysterical, by it's the way. It's still funny. It's just so funny. I forgot yeah. how funny that movie was. Yeah. I forgot how many people are gone, too, by the way. Philip Seymour is gone. Yeah. Robert Ridgely is gone. Uh, Michael Burt. Jace is gone, but not Burt exactly. Reynolds gone. is Burt gone. Brown Bird is gone. Who was
0: supposed to be in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh, really? Oh, was he? He was supposed to play Spawn. He was. And, and, oh. and, he, and he di- when yeah. he died, that's yeah. when they cast. Uh, they, they went and cast. Uh, uh... What's his name? Uh, uh,
1: uh, Bruce Dern. Yeah, yeah. Uh, out at the Spawn Ranch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, man. And uh, just so, so that was uh, how many careers got made from that movie. I mean, huh. Don. These people were people, but they weren't who they were yeah. until after this movie. Don Cheadle, uh, Michael Jace, uh, yeah. R. Nicole Parker. Yeah. Uh, you know how many people got made by that movie is just really amazing. And the other interesting thing is what a baby face. I think Mark Wahlberg was probably. Uh, twenty six, twenty seven. Yep. You know, I think. Yeah, I, I think PTA like was about twenty six. Yeah. When he was making the movie. These people were ridiculously young. Uh, fifteen million dollar movie. Uh, of course, Bert and PTA did not get along. I know, you know, Thomas Jane in yeah. that movie, you know, all yeah. before they had made their bones. So what are you going to do? It's just really, really good stuff.
0: Well, I, uh, I was, uh, I was even telling you on my way over here. I started. So there's a review of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on the Cinegods.com page. Ray Green wrote it. Ray, gave it gave very thoughtful. Uh, I initially agreed with all of Ray's points, but the more I think about it, the more that movie kind of sinks into my sinks into my skin mm. cuz i you know quentin and i sort of had somewhat parallel upbringings he's older but you know all the same tv shows same era both in los angeles his recreation of everything from yeah. those years is exactly what i remember yeah. it's exactly what i remember the hip girls and hollywood and splice sergeant and All the theaters and the, 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 just, you know, Bruce Lee, it's, (laughs) I'm, you know, Westwood, the Bruin, and the Village. Oh, it's just, you know, it's just a beautiful.
1: What's interesting, you know, uh, 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 Bridge and I arrived here uh, literally January 1, 1990. Much of LA, Hollywood, LA, was the same in 1990. Yeah. as it had been in 1969 70 so you know 20 years on yeah. and then and then it, it, it was middle 90s late 90s uh, when the uh, first wave because there were a couple of waves of gentrification yeah. in Hollywood remember yeah. the uh, when they put in the galaxy and all that stuff yeah might have been early 2000s sure. late 90s sure I think Mike was Wu was the uh, 98 9899 that didn't take. No. Uh they knocked all that down and then they did the Hollywood and Highland stuff, middle two thousands. Yeah. And then that finally took and thus the proper gentrification of Hollywood. But but you know, nineteen ninety, yeah, that dude, corner uh, near near Yucca and like right. Cherokee or whatever. <laughs> I got mugged on that corner. <laughs> <laughs> in, like nineteen ninety four or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, so all of that was just one of the Vogue theater, how it used to stick out. Over yeah. Musso and Frank's there, yep, uh, all of that, right? Um, Cinerama Dome, of course. The dome back then, behind it, just that parking lot. Remember, That's right. just that dirt parking lot. That's right. That we would park in all the time, which they didn't. You know, I, 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 he didn't want to use a lot of CGI in this movie to take things out because yeah. you start to notice. You know, yeah. when, when they see. So he just he just shot tight. Yeah, around the dome rather than getting big but It, works. Bit. But it, it works. works. It, it works. It totally works.
0: Yeah, I remember that so well. I remember going and parking in that big old giant <laughs> ramshackle parking lot to see ET at the dome. Yeah, yeah. For years, the we saw screens July there.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I mean screenings at the yeah. dome, screenings at the Bruin, and the I can't and think of village. how many movies we saw at the Bruin because they were they are across yeah. the street from one another. Uh, yeah, across the street from yeah. one another, and uh, you know, just man, just you know, nostalgia, yeah. nostalgia. But yeah, look, love this movie. It is great. I I do think in order to deeply, deeply, deeply appreciate this movie, you gotta be forty-five plus. Uh, More than that. You know, you gotta be creeping up on fifty. Gotta be fifty. Because who who knows who Jay Sebring is? Yeah. You know, you
0: have you gotta be fifty or over, or you have to be such a nostalgia nut that you've you've kind of gone back to that and you've revisited that and you have enough of a an awareness. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but, you, but you do need to have a grasp of, of that moment, that, that snapshot in time, 1969 to about 1971.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. I remember the Manson murders. Oh, man. I remember. I, it. I can I imagine. Re- Here, I,
1: they, re- I remember them, and they were just news where I was in St. Louis.
0: I remember we had ordinary locks on our doors until the Manson murders, and then I remember the handyman coming over and installing double locks mm. on every door Yeah, because of that. Yeah. I remember that. And for, for years, I, I, you, I looked at those double locks, and I thought of Charles Manson. Yeah, man. It did, that's what it did to the psyche of Los Angeles. Yeah,
1: yeah it, was, it was a deep, deep thing. And, of course, uh, what's his name? Burler, Burler, the guy that wrote to Skelter. Who, yeah. Who was the, uh, the, the DA, DA. The DA, yeah. Uh, down here. And that book was a big, big, big old hit. The, the, the best joke in the movie, to me, though. Yeah. Uh, Leonardo goes off to Italy to make some Italian films. So, yeah. you know, Clint Eastwood style. His, you know, yeah. He's, he's kind of playing a guy who's like a sort of quasi-failed Clint Eastwood yeah. type. Yeah. And, of course, he goes to make movies with the second best Italian directors, what Pacino yeah. says. You know, yeah. He's got the second best, who, of course, is Sergio Corbucci. Yeah. Who, of course, <laughs> created the Django series yes. of movies. And this is just like a beautiful joke. It is. It's just this beautiful, beautiful it joke. Is. You know, if you, if you get those, but again – you got to know who Sergio Corbucci is, yeah. In order for that joke to just yeah. that he really was the He's still second- around. He's still around. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. So neat. Right. Oh
0: well. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna get kicking in here. The uh, a lot of things, you know. Obviously, the uh, within the 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 film is the the Tarantino film is being released uh, literally within weeks of the 50th anniversary of the Manson slayings. Um, August eighth, the 9th is uh, just a week and a half away. But uh, it's also been the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, and that was a big old thing. Yeah. And um, we had some, we had some on the on the the last couple of shows. Got some other, got some other space oriented stuff that's kind of dovetailing with it. Um, this is more general, but we've got a Blu-ray and uh, digital combination set: NASA: A Journey Through Space which is from Mill Creek, and uh, this is just a, a, a really nice two-disc set that uh, includes seven parts of a documentary series about the history of NASA. And uh, it obviously is going to be obsolete in about 18 seconds as soon as NASA does something else, but that's okay. Uh, the history is still the history, and the history matters, and uh, it is rather extraordinary you know, to think that they made so much progress between 1957, the launching of Sputnik, and mm-hmm. 1969, landing a man on the moon. Let's think about that. In 12 years, you went from the first satellite mm-hmm. to putting a man on the moon. Mm-hmm. 12 years, space mm-hmm. race, in 12 years. We, we we can't even fix HTML in 12 years. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's crazy. That was That was so accelerated that in 1968, Stanley Kubrick very realistically thought, oh, yeah, by 2001, we'll totally have, you know, commercial... Uh, trips to the moon and a moon base and the whole thing. that was totally realistic yeah. and then of course everything just kind of ground to a halt. Yeah. they put a man on the moon and now we can we can rest on our laurels. So it's a, it's a really interesting story history to revisit. And then uh, equally important is a NASA endorsed release also from Mill Creek uh, on 4k this is Mill Creek's first 4K. I want to point out Mill Creek has taken the jump into 4k with the uh, IMAX enhanced space station. Uh, the original IMAX film with uh, Tom Cruise narrating. And uh, this is a, you know, this played IMAX for a long time, made a ton of money. And this is all about the uh, International Space Station and its building and how it came together. And, you know, yes, it is originally shot in IMAX, so it's not going to look quite the same on your 4K TV, but it's still going to look amazing. Uh, It really, really does. It's... um, and that space station is so much more impressive than i think we we give it credit for and what it has done and how it has opened up all yeah. of our, our eyes onto the universe it, it is it, it is really a funny amazing. thing
1: though when we talk about because we talk about the space stations we talk about the shuttle program we yep. talk about apollo uh, you know particularly you know this time of the um but you know what no one ever talks about the space undertaking we even talk about those rovers and you know they were yeah. amazing all of that yeah. but the but the the space achievement that people don't talk about that i always found fascinating was Skylab? Yeah, for Nobody sure. Nobody talks about Skylab. That's true. And it, you know, and, and, and which of course was sort of a space station, and it then of the, course it was the first one, yeah. yeah and 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 uh, it had that thing where it, it joined up with that Russian, uh, yeah, Soyuz, uh, Soyuz uh, thing. Uh, that was a, a joint thing that we did not, you know, it, it really sort of set the tone uh, for the next twenty years. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember, I think it was in, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say seventy seven, when when because uh, the the uh, the orbit depleted. Yeah. And Skylab came down mostly over Australia and some ocean yeah. or something like that. And I don't know, it just sort of went away from the zeitgeist. People forget about it. There were yeah. there were there were cartoons. It's true. It involved you know Skylab, but yeah. nobody ever mentioned Skylab anymore. And the astronauts who were on that, anyway. Yeah, a shout true. out for Skylab.
0: Totally, I, absolute shout out for Skylab. Got some other docs here too. A couple of military docs. Uh, one is called Forgotten Heroes, the Robert Hartsock story uh which is uh, you know who's robert hartsock that's going to be everybody's first reaction and uh it, this is the this is the story of dogs in vietnam believe it or not and uh it's it's really <laughs> utterly unbelievable and it, it it sort of opens up a whole story of um of vietnam that i never even knew before did you know that there were over four thousand dogs and handlers in Vietnam?
1: No, like military dogs. Like military dogs.
0: Yeah, I had no idea. And it's, it's absolutely extraordinary. Uh, Robert Hartsock is um, I, I I don't want to give it away, but Robert Hartsock is a, a significant. He received he was he was decorated with the Medal of Honor um, because of what he something that involves dogs. That's all I'll say. And uh, it's it's pretty it's a pretty extraordinary it really it, it, it's just kind of it's you know it's a peripheral story, it's not central to the Vietnam War, but it's it's still an amazing story. So uh, if you want to see a story of heroism, a story about an aspect of the Vietnam War that you had no idea even existed, by all means, check it out. It's really really good. Um, got another documentary, Unforgotten: A Hero Story of of uh, War, by Darren Dick is the filmmaker. And uh, this is all about the, it's a very personal story. His grandfather was named Harold Bauer, and he was a uh, Korean War veteran. And uh, this is a, an exploration of family, an exploration of heroism, uh, really kind of delving into who his grandfather was. And, um, uh, you know, he they, they, like, they when he was, when he's still alive, they visit the Korean War Memorial together. And uh, it's it's. Quite touching. I wish it were a little longer. It's only an hour long. This is from Virgil Films, um, but it's uh, it's very 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 touching. And I I am pretty sure, I, I think I heard his grandfather had passed. It's possible mm-hmm. he's still around, but um, I thought I had heard that he had passed. If if he has not, I apologize for for that. But anyway, uh, Darren Dick, wonderful wonderful um, a documentary uh, about a his grandfather, a hero in the uh, in the Korean War. And then uh, some music stuff here. Uh, one other thing that's really not before I get into is it, not really music, but this is a, you know, we 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 don't often get um, these unusual kind of experimental releases. Icarus has released really something that for people who do like experimental film and kind of avant-garde, this is a really interesting thing. It's called uh, Minute Bodies: The Intimate World of F. Percy Smith. Mm. Uh, the documentarian here is Stuart Staples, and I, he, he is a documentarian, but um, he's also, in this case, but is, Stuart Staples is also the lead singer of a band called The Tindersticks, and uh, this is a tribute to another filmmaker, F. Percy Smith, that I had never heard of before. Who was also kind of a, an all-around Renaissance man, and um, did he, he did some very uh, aggressive pioneering work with uh, with cameras and lenses, and trying to trying to to do what is much easier today with these high speed cameras and lenses that can you know do microscopic photography and everything. And he, what he wanted to do was really push the 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 cinematographic envelope to be able to capture um, the world of of amoebas and you know oh. microscopic stuff, right? really, just just really get down in there. And um, so this, this is a, a really interesting kind of musical and visual collage that is a tribute to a filmmaker from another filmmaker and a musician. And uh, it's really very interesting. It's really, really very compelling. It uh, also includes four short films that F. Percy Smith had made so that you you get more than just what's in the film itself. And um, it's uh, this is sharp. It's on Blu-ray. It's also only about an hour long, just under and it's called minute bodies the intimate world of f percy smith and uh, it'll 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 stir you and inspire you la fresque with choreography by uh, angeline prelyocage angeline prelyocage and the ballet prelyocage is uh, is from naxos and telmondis this is basically a um, uh, it's called the uh, la fresque is uh, otherwise known as the painting on the wall which is a traditional chinese uh, story that has been interpreted here as kind of modern ballet, very very nicely done. Um, great choreography. It's a little bit uh, ballet, a little bit modern dance, but it's really really cool. And that's on Blu-ray. We also have the opera *Giulietta Romeo* by Nicola Vacage, uh, or Nicola. I forget. You pronounce it one way for a man, one way for a woman. I'm never quite clear on that. Mm. Uh, this is from *Dynamic* and *Naxos*. Uh, not an opera I've ever heard of. It's uh, it's you know a two act tragedy. But it, the music's nice, singing's nice. Fair enough. This was uh, recorded in two thousand eighteen, so the uh, audio is absolutely superb. Uh, also, um, uh, La Passion selon Marc, which is a um, very, very. This is from Bel Air. This is on Blu Ray. Uh, this is a. Oh, how would I put this? It is. Um, it's. It is a religious. It's almost like a liturgical. Memorial uh, to Auschwitz, if that even makes sense. But mm-hmm. it's it's it was written in memory, obviously, of those who perished in Auschwitz and in the uh, in the Holocaust. Um, and it uh, it it's a it was performed in April of 2017, uh, originally made for Swiss television. And uh, it is a it is a lovely, lovely, lovely uh, composition, and um, you know carries a carries a real kind of very heavy-handed uh, historical memory with it. This is performed by the uh, Chamber Orchestra and Vocal Ensemble of Lausanne in Switzerland, where I once lived. So it's uh, it's very personal to me as well. And uh, it comes in a very nice white keep case, which uh, is in keeping sort of with the redemptive quality of the thing. And then lastly, on the music front, CMA Awards Live. We've done a number of these in the past. This is the greatest moments from 1968 to 2015. Uh... I'm, you know, country music, I sometimes have, I'm in the mood for Garth Brooks once in a while. Why Mm -hmm. not? Mm -hmm. Who isn't? Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I don't really watch the CMAs. It's not a thing that I do. And so uh, putting it all together here in a a 10 DVD set, you realize there's a lot of great country music out there. And I kind of feel like I've been missing out a little bit. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is from 1968 all the way to just four years ago. Covers the entire history of country music. It's not even really about the CMAs. It's about everybody. And they uh, Merle Haggard performs here, um, Alabama, which is something I grew up on. Chris Christopherson, right up to stuff like Lady Antebellum, and mm. and uh, you know, there's even some great Glenn Campbell stuff here. It really. This is. Did you know that Julio Iglesias sang at the CMAs?
1: No. Isn't that weird? And I can't imagine why <laughs> Julio Iglesias sang at the CMA. Eventually, everybody well, goes to country. Yeah. we them to yeah. Everybody goes to country eventually. I remember, he did a duet with Willie Nelson. Yes, of course. That's, great. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that's the cred. <laughs> that, that's the cred right there. That's the yeah, cred. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy.
0: Cred. So CMA Awards Live, always, uh, always uh, a musical surprise. A much more diverse uh, collection of performances than you would ever really expect. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, All right. a few
0: newbies. Yeah, let's do some new movies. Uh,
1: Hellboy. You know, um, I the, the, like
0: this Hellboy, and I
1: defend it. You defend the, the, defend the reboot it. did not do very well. I know it tanked. Uh, it, it, it tanked pretty bad. Yeah. Although I love I love David Harbour's casting. That from Stranger yeah. uh, Stranger, Stranger Things. Uh, that was the best part of this Hellboy. In any In any case, didn't do that well. But I imagine fans are going to be fans. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, you, you got everything here. The uh, the Ultra HD. You got the Blu Ray. You got your DVD. Uh, on this fairly nice package, which includes uh, Tales of the Wild Hunt, Hellboy Reborn, a three-part documentary with yeah. a lot of these things, all kinds of neat stuff there. So if you're a fan, you're going to be a fan uh, of the Hellboy. Why do you think it didn't do so well? So I think a number of things, uh, because a lot of people love gear I mean, look,
0: everyone loves Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Uh, and the first two were both del Toro films, and he was prepared to do a third, and I think a lot of people had themselves wrapped around a trilogy. mm and then it didn't happen, and it turned into a reboot instead, and they stuck David Harbour in there uh, to, to take over the part, which a lot, I think and a lot of people felt that, you know, Ron Perlman owned that part and should have been there. He and aged out of it. He did age out of it. Yeah. And and the thing is, look, uh, Hellboy is never going to be a longstanding franchise. You're, you're not going to – I think it's a mistake to think you can squeeze 10 or 12 Hellboy movies out. You can't. Yeah. Hellboy is, is a very limited thing. So. I kind of felt like the whole Hellboy idea had played out in two films. I thought the second one was really, really stretched pretty thin. And I was over it. And I was like, okay, we've done Hellboy for the movies. Goodbye. So I was skeptical about, really you're going to reboot that. What are you possibly going to do with Hellboy that you didn't do the first two times? What could you possibly do? (laughs) Well, what they did was they made it R-rated. And they made it. Uh, they made it campier. They went. They went further and farther with it. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a little gorier. Mm. It's a little meaner. Mm. And it's. I, I felt like it's more in more in a in a in a vein that I appreciate it. I appreciate the really dark humor
1: which was I suppose more akin to the actual uh, yeah uh, to, the, to, the, uh, to, the, to the graphic graphic novel, graphic novel in the yeah. first place it was you know, all of those things are a little bit darker than this picture yeah. so, so
0: so from that standpoint I thought all right to I good i i'm 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 down with that and um, uh, so I appreciate that do I think they can squeeze another one out of it well no even if it had been successful I, I think you're still stretching it but I appreciate I appreciated that they they went for it a little bit as opposed to just trying to rehash the thing. So I thought there was some risk involved. Didn't pan out, but I respect what they were doing. The thinking.
1: origin story is a little bit different in, in this album than it yeah. had been in yeah. the other one, too? Yeah. Uh, Ug- Ugly Dolls, man, star studded cast in this, voices from every everywhere. Um, it's a cute little film, I thought. A little yeah. frenetic for me. Uh, insanely colorful. I mean, the, the colors just popped off the screen from this animation. Uh, here you got Kelly Clarkson, uh, you got Nick Jonas, you got Janelle Molnay, you got Blake Shelton, uh, you got Pitbull, you got Wanda Sykes, uh, and Gabrielle Iglesias, speaking yeah. of the, the yeah. Iglesiases. Yeah. Uh, uh, everybody's singing and dancing and jumping around. Basically, it's the story about this little, little little town called Uglyville, where all the dolls are, are, are you know not attractive, not perfect, uh, two heads, one eye, all that kind of wacky stuff. They discover a place called Perfection, uh, where everyone is perfect. Uh, and ultimately, it's about how I suppose you yeah. don't have to be perfect in the world <laughs> to still be valuable. <laughs> considering you and I both wear glasses. Yeah. I guess we know that, how that goes. This is cute. This is the sing-along edition. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. Um, 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 what, what age range do you think? I mean, I, mean, I know what they say on this, but what do you think? Uh, would Hero know. Would hero tap into this?
0: Yeah, maybe a little, but not too much. She likes Jack-Jack more these days. Jack-Jack's she's definitely. Back in her, she's back on a Jack-Jack kick. A little bit more um, action. You know, up to Eight? Eight? Yeah. Tops. What's it say? What's the What's recommended? Uh,
1: it says between between yeah between six and about eight. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Uh, Bonus features to making of Ugly Dolls, fun with the cast, and like again, it's the sing-along version of it, so you know you can have some fun with the kids. Fair enough. Doing that one. Uh, Project Ithaca was a fairly interesting conceived science fiction, uh, little science fiction movie here that I kind of dug the theme of. Anyway, the idea is that there are these uh, uh, terrible. Aliens, malevolent right. aliens have been just abducting people for years and years and years and years, maybe even centuries, right? Uh, what they want to do is harvest uh, human Energy, Ew. and then they're going to use it to open a wormhole. Pass through the wor- wormhole and take over. Well, hey, look—it's a classic, classic storyline. <laughs> uh, uh, the scientists create a human alien hybrid, mm-hmm. and they send her through the wormhole to you know, inject her human stuff okay. <laughs> on the other side. It's going to jack them all up. That's a classic story. This is mostly just a movie that they shot on a set with a set with some fairly decent yeah. special effects. That's all that's going on here. But you know what? Kind of worked. Yeah, get props to them. Fun, fun for me. <laughs> props to This em. is just a DVD. Not much going on otherwise. Got
0: a couple yeah, let me here? hit some kid vid here. Um, got a couple from Sesame Street. Awesome alphabet collection. I know every adult listening is like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I can be into that." Uh, this is just three shows helping kids learn their alphabets, uh, and it's fine. You know, you got Elmo and Abby and all the usual things. It's fine. Uh, the, the guest stars here are the ones that'll keep the adults from actually throwing things at the television. Uh, Nora Jones and Cheryl Crow and Pharrell Williams and Maya Angelou comes by and gives you know some hugs. Oh. Uh it's really sweet. It's it, Ricky Gervais somehow is appropriate for Sesame Street. I'm not quite sure, you know. <laughs> I, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> but and then uh and then uh on a lighter note, dance party, which is which really has no educational value to it whatsoever. It's just a lot of dancing. But um it's a lot of dancing with Elmo, basically. <laughs> but again, it's about the guest the guest appearances here: Naomi Watts and Leah Schreiber and uh, and and Jason Derulo and Janelle Monet. and it's it's a lot of fun. So uh, you know, if you, Sesame Street continues to milk their uh, their stuff pretty well, PBS is where you get the better educational stuff. Ready, Jet, Go. Mm-hmm. Not not a show that uh, particularly respond that my daughter particularly responds to, but it's got a little sci-fi element to it, and it's uh, they got three. Uh, three very Apollo timely episodes on this one uh, which is called one small step uh, and and if you're trying to teach kids about you know moon landing in space this is this is good uh, there's some there's some good stuff here um, also Arthur celebrates community the long-standing Arthur thing I still don't really know what animal Arthur is I can never really tell what animals any of them are in Arthur but uh, Arthur has some good uh, educational stuff to it as well and uh, there are eight stories here. Including, uh, Binky can't always get what he wants, which is a is a hysterical line, but it's actually a really good show. It's very very, that's good. So I just think Binky. Partly, what makes me laugh is a friend of mine uh, refers to um, uh, Facebook as as well. He refers basically to uh, Binky is his nickname for everything that goes on on Facebook. Anything goes wrong, he blames Binky. Uh, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood also very sweet. This is won't you be our neighbor? And this is uh, five stories from the uh, the Daniel Tiger line. It's nicely animated. It's very warm, very storybook looking. And then uh, the last one, uh, which I like the best, is uh, Splash and Bubbles. You can never do wrong with fish, or yeah. as far as I'm concerned, whether it's Nemo and Dory or the Bubble Guppies, anything to do with fish and underwater, I'm I'm down with, as long as it's not the Aquaman movie. This is six episodes from uh, Splash and Bubbles under the title The Kelp Forest. And a uh, really sweet couple of, couple of fish. Very nicely animated. Good CGI animation from, uh, from PBS Kids. And then the last two kid vids are, uh, kid vid titles are from Nickelodeon. Uh, and uh, the first one is Paw Patrol, Jungle Rescues. Boys love Paw Patrol. My daughter, other girls don't really get into it quite so much. But there are seven adventures here. And uh, the Paw Patrol are uh, basically looking to figure out the mystery of the Monkey Queen and uh, and a few other things. And it, it gets a little far-fetched, but you know what? Boys love it. And uh, then lastly, Butterbean's Cafe is a new Nickelodeon series. And uh, this includes seven stories from Butterbean's Cafe. I, I'm, I actually kind of like this. My daughter is not into it. Yet, but I could see her getting into it mm. because as I left today, she was cooking with Mommy and really starting, and this is kind of her first real cooking experience making buttery pancakes and really enjoying it. So I think that she will eventually learn to enjoy this. This is basically culinary fairies, is the only way that I could put it. Um, Butterbeans cafe, culinary fairies, very cle- very clever, very sweet and um, actually surprisingly well-written. So uh, check out Butterbean's Cafe. Uh, This uh, is the very, very first DVD release for that new Nickelodeon series.
1: Ah, A couple of more newbies. I I thought this film would have done better than it did. I remember talking about it on the radio show, The Long Shot, um, uh, Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. In this movie, they had chemistry in this film, which completely surprised me. Yeah. Uh, that they actually like, had this sort of oddball chemistry. She was incredibly funny in the film. Basically, she's playing on a woman yeah. who's a, a presidential candidate. She hires this guy, Fred Flarsky, which is such a <laughs> Seth, Seth Rogen character name. This is Seth and e- Evan Goldberg writing here. So, yeah. it, uh, and, and, and he turns out to have been. Uh, someone she babysitted. No, uh, when he, you know he was about ten and she was about thirteen. Oh, that's getting uh, a little and twisted. He, and then had a little weird crush on her and all no, this kind of okay. stuff. And, you know, it flashed forward thirty years, and that's all. All plays back into the story that's going on. It's a little political. It's a little sharp. Uh, one of the mistakes that it makes is that it only pokes fun at the conservative side.
0: Yeah, well, uh,
1: that's always a mistake. As a matter of fact, let me tell you what you want to do if you're going to make one of these movies, particularly if you happen to be kind of liberal, progressive, whatever. Poke fun at yourself. Yeah poke fun at your side, uh, Primary Colors.
0: Okay, uh, you know, good th- point. That,
1: that, that, that's funny, uh, yeah. and, and, but, it's, but they're taking down their own side. Yeah. L- the other side will be you know, ridiculous by comparison, but that's what you want to do. You don't want to poke fun at the other side. It's, that's easy. It's easy to take pot shots when nobody can shoot back. My favorite,
0: now that you mentioned it, my favorite line in Primary Colors is that rant by Billy Bob Thornton about how he's more black <laughs> He's so black he can taste it, right? how that line goes. That is just an absolutely brilliant line and so well-delivered. Uh, you know you remember what? Remember that line? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it,
1: you can't write that line anymore. No, you can't. Now you're going to get a note from the studio. Write <laughs> that line, you're going to get a note from the studio. Anyway, the long shot, a Blu-ray, DVD, and digital uh, with all kinds of neat stuff in terms of uh, special features, too. So if you didn't see it in theaters, give it a shot anyway. It's still funny. I mean, I'm poking at it now, but it's actually a very funny movie, and Charlize and Seth have a great deal of chemistry together. Shazam! Uh, this is this an interesting thing to me, because you, know, you had Captain Marvel earlier in the year and then Shazam right after it, right? Now, you and I both know, we go back long enough to remember when they, they were the same person. Right. When totally. Shazam was something that Billy said to turn himself into Captain Marvel. That's, yes. And and, and then there was this whole thing with comic books. They, they well, Sh- Shazam, you know
0: Shazam stood, they, they reinterpreted it so that each letter stood for a different one of the elders, yeah. right? They, like there was uh, Saturn, Hercules, and Zeus, and Athena. And it was, uh, each letter stood for somebody, and uh,
1: Achilles.
0: Yeah. Achilles was in there. Achilles, Zeus, Athena, and uh, whoever the M was. But yeah. Um,.
1: Boy, it's complicated. The, the how these broke it had to do with, a, with with a comic book that went out of business a long yeah. time ago, and then the but the characters got bought by the other side, and they took them and split them up. And it's a, it's stuff, a, you
0: know? I, I still think that DC should have just disobeyed, the, just take the fine, and just say we're going to keep calling it Captain Marvel.
1: Yeah, you know because you have a
0: Captain Marvel, we got a Captain Marvel. There can be two Captain Marvels. And anyway, maybe like,
1: that all said, this was funny. It's a fun uh, film. This, this film cracked me up. Uh, it's not. It's not thing. faithful
0: in any no, way. No, in any way to anything. Yeah. It's, it's basically big. It's big with with superpowers. Yeah, yeah. um it's uh still Jack fun. Dylan
1: uh, uh, Grazer uh, playing it. So anyway, anyway. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. This movie. Um, all kinds of stuff on this DVD. Uh, ninety minutes worth of uh, fancy new stuff. But the movie itself is just pretty, pretty damn funny. So, so check it out. Uh, everything. Blu-ray, digital, DVD. Uh, with that, 4K. Uh, and 4K. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, little. Um, which was a cute little film that came out early this, in the year. No one paid attention no to No one this. paid any attention to it, which was unfortunate. Regina yeah. Hall, uh, who was so funny and uh, uh, support the girls uh, and, and really proved the chops. Basically, this too is kind of a big smash uh, up with uh, Freaky Friday kind of thing. You got this... Uh, uh, this, this, this little girl, when we meet her, and, and, and she's bullied in school, and she grows up to be Regina Hall, a real son of an a-hole of a boss at this company, uh, and she has uh, Issa Rae working for her, who is funny in this movie, uh, uh, and, then the, and then she's turned into this little girl, uh, and she spends the rest of the movie. There's a weird motif in this movie that freaked me out that I did not care for. Because she is, in fact, an adult inside the body of a little girl, you know, Regina Hall inside the body of this little girl, she still has all of the desires and interests of an adult woman, and uh, which include these really fine brothers walking around this movie. Now, yeah. here's the problem. That's still a little girl, and she's, like, jonesing on these really, yeah. really fine dudes and, yeah. like, saying things and moving around. And I'm like, you know what? This is not – I'm not comfortable. <laughs> I'm, I'm not comfortable. <laughs> I'm not comfortable with any of this. But those jokes are all in the movie. And they're funny, yeah. But no, <laughs> no, don't care for those jokes. There are all kinds of bonus features on this, including a gag reel. It's a funny, it's a funny movie. But that was just all sort of weird. All right, uh, body at Brighton Rock. Body at Brighton Rock. Body at
0: Brighton Rock. I'm going to tell you right now. I had to review that for film for Film Week. Uh, y- you know what? Um, we had a bit of disagreement on Film Week uh, over it. Th-
1: who are you? Who are you with? I think it was on with
0: Christy. I think uh, Christy liked it. Let me. Anyway, um, it, no, it, it's it's a super low budget movie. Uh, it takes place in a in a national park about a a ranger girl who uh, goes. She's a bit nerdy and she's on her patrol and she goes off and finds a body. And um, winds up being kind of stranded and stuck with this body until people can arrive, and then weird things happen that don't make sense. And I kid you not, when the when the thing ends, they try to do some kind of an M Night Shyamalan y twisty thing at the end, and it's so bad <laughs> that it that that it, it, it because truly it makes no sense. Like normally the twist makes you go, oh, no. again. Yeah. This twist makes you go. Wait, what? <laughs> and then the movie ends, and I'm and and to this day, I have no idea what's going on at the end of this movie. It's very frustrating. Mm. Um, I, I I give him props. You made it. You went out into the mountains with a film crew and you made a movie, a feature film. You got it released. You got it onto Blu-ray. I still don't know what your movie means. Yeah, little girl power no kind idea. of thing. I think is what's going on in yeah, this movie. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Commentary:
1: Roxanne Benjamin, the director of this movie, directed a couple of other thrillers. So you know, uh, makes no sense. But but but, but in, in the fact, film makes, makes no, no
0: sense. sense. Uh,
1: Body at Bride and Rock. Not a lot of sp- a few special uh, features, including a commentary with the director, which Doug's, does not explain anything. What's by going the way. on in the movie? No, it does not explain anything. <laughs> it doesn't explain anything. I need more. Uh. Doug's hot dog movie. Uh, it says on the back of this: "This is a it's, it's a it's a it's a doc about this uh, about this hot dog joint uh, named by Anthony Bourdain as one of the thirteen places you must eat before you die," uh, which is a little ironic Sweet. that he said that, but he but he ate there <laughs> and didn't die. Uh, so it, apparently he got it right. Anyway, it's a, it's a, a fairly cute movie where we uh, we meet this guy Doug who is, has this particular affection for hot dogs and opens up this hot dog stand and all the customers who come there yeah. and, and why they love it and what they love about hot dogs. It's just a goofy movie about. Uh you know, hot dogs. Um uh I I'm like getting hot dogs, hungry, but I don't think I'd need to I'm hungry. I'll see a whole movie about it. Uh nevertheless, funny if you want to do that kind of thing. Serenity, you remember when we saw this oh, movie? I do. We saw it, do it together. Uh, and
0: I think we have the same reaction to yeah. it, which is um It's just, a mess. It's a mess. Yeah.
1: And it Matthew McConaughey and Hathaway.
0: It's an ambitious mess. Yeah. though. I mean it really, really uh it's very it very self consciously tries to spin a fascinating kind of Hitchcockian thriller mm, slash um,
1: noir. It's a
0: it's a little noir, a little Hitchcock. Yeah, it's, it's sort of you know. Uh, but but ultimately, it's too coy about what it's not telling you. Yeah. and what it's not showing you. Yeah, and what it's hiding. And uh, that because and, and by the time it sort of sort of tries to hit you with an uppercut at the end, it just doesn't have it. It's, it hasn't earned it.
1: Yeah, and, and two easy fixes in this movie too. I mean, we talked about it. We're two easy fixes. I'm not going to say what they are because they'll be obvious when you when you see the movie. One of them would have to do with getting. Rid of this sort of sci-fi thing that's going on yeah. in, in the movie. Just get rid yeah. of all that together and just tell this story. Yeah, just tell the story. A little boy, this woman, her husband. You know, yeah. fem fatal, all that kind of stuff. You know, and it, it sort all of works out yeah. the way it works out. You didn't really need any of that sort of hitty kind of stuff yeah. going on in uh, it. And then I and like, it, I know, like
0: the, the the sort of uh, the island setting of it. That's yeah. that's the one thing I like, That Matthew McConaughey and the boats and the tropics and so a bit of know, a
1: Truman showish kind of thing going yeah, on. Yeah, I, I, um, I like
0: li- yeah, I like the kind of Caribbeanish um uh, the South Pacific-y island setting that was that was nice. It made me feel like it was a little bit of Magnum PI going on. And if you're going to do Magnum PI, you, you should probably cast Matthew McConaughey as the yeah. new Magnum PI. Yeah, yeah.
1: For 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 a film. For a film, anyway. Yeah. Uh, not surprised, but not not a whole lot of uh, special features on that. No, one. Yeah. Yeah. Great a, cast though. Uh, you Jason Clarke, Jonathan Hanchu, Diane totally. Lane. I mean, you know, yeah. if you build a movie with a cast like that, you you hope you you know? you you you're, you're, you're yeah, it's. It's unfortunate. Sometimes the cast will not save you. Another one that didn't do as well as folks had thought it might or anticipated it would be was Alita Battle Angel.
0: Yeah, a little dent on the uh, James Cameron uh, cred there. Yeah, yes, yeah. he didn't For, direct it. You know, but... producers
1: of Avatar, but he yeah. didn't direct it. Yeah. Um, uh, look, it's a, as an action sort of – the problem here is you have you know, live action combined with this particular character that is the sort of live action slash uh, CGI created character. Um, uh, and she can, you know, she's a leader, she's a badass, she can do all this kind of stuff. It's a you know, great ad- adventure about a cyborg. But those it just didn't mesh for me. She, that character, was never in the room, in the scene True. with those humans. Yeah. Uh, never. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm, I'm watching this and I'm just like, you're not there. You're the one who's not there. And, it's just, and, and, and you never will be there. The only way to be there is to actually be there. And I don't know. I, I just I'm never going to fall for this stuff. I just don't think it's 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 meant for me. Anyway, this is dense with over two hours worth of all kinds of special features uh, that folks who are you know a fan of the of, of not just the genre but the character will enjoy. But it did not work for me. Blu-ray, DVD, digital, holster bang. One um, over there. Yeah,
0: let me let me hit a, a few a uh, few Asian titles here. Some got some good foreign language Asian titles here. First one is Master Z Ip Man Legacy yeah. with uh, Max Zhang, Dave Batista making the trip over to mm-hmm. uh, to China to, to show up and make a little cameo here. Michelle Yeoh and Tony Jaa, amazing yeah. cast. Yeah, that's a that's a great cast. Directed by Yun Wooping. Amazing, brilliant Yun Wu Ping, who, of course, you know, uh, launched Jackie Chan's career mm-hmm. originally with the original Drunken Master and choreographed everything from the Matrix to the Kill Bill films. Anyway, so Yun Wu Ping, uh, who has worked with Michelle Yeo previously and uh, directed her in the uh, the Tai Chi Master with Jet Li, a lot of other great stuff. So Yun Wu Ping directs the daylight side of this thing. The fighting is fantastic, it's great, it's brilliant. Dave Batista is perfectly cast. If you, if you would imagine, if Dave Batista weren't in this, like if anyone else had made this story, they would have put Mike Tyson in there. Yeah, but we no, we we get we don't have Mike Tyson in here. Yeah, we got Dave Batista. Yeah, and yeah. that's better casting. Yeah, he's yeah. not as good a fighter as Mike Tyson. Yeah,
1: but he's a better actor. Better actor. Yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah. Mike um, is fun to look at, but he never could act.
0: Yeah, but uh, anyway, basically this is a spinoff from the Ip Man films. Uh, a guy who's been defeated by Ip Man, played by Max Zhang, plays uh, Chung Tin Chi. Uh, he goes to kind of restart his life and you know, it's the usual thing. They pull, he was trying to live a peaceful life and they pull him back in. He's got to fight again. It's the usual, but Michelle Yeoh is wonderful. Dave Batista is wonderful. Uh, Tony Ja is great. Not a great actor, but an amazing physical presence. And Max Zhang is just surrounded by so many great people. All he has to do is just stay, you know, stay at everybody else's level. And it's all great. Really fun film. That's from uh, Wellgo. It includes a dub track in it, which you should not not watch. It has some behind-the-scenes stuff and trailers, but otherwise, terrific Blu-ray. Uh, going a little bit back further in martial arts history is uh, Taiwanese director, the legendary Taiwanese director, King Hu, made one of his best films with the fate of Lee Khan. Uh, and this is from Film Movement Classics. It is a wonderful welcome release from Film Movement Classics. I'm so thrilled that they uh, they're, they're doing this. They, they licensed this from Fortune Star over in uh, in Hong Kong. and what a great transfer. It's colorful. it's bright. King Who's movies always felt like a um, to me at least, felt like the like John Ford movies of Asia. Yeah. They have the same widescreen quality, the same sort of epic, uh tapestry the, the 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 color the quality of the color it's really really great and this is also one of the um earliest and most famous uh female like empowerment kung fu films and it's an all it's a, it i mean it is a it is a powerful uh female cast he's had you've had strong women in these films in the past but in this one you got Lily hua uh angela mao and it's and you know all takes it's basically you know a, a western in the sense that the the dynasty is oppressive and they're fighting the the dynastic powers of the Yuan dynasty, but it is um, you know rebels versus whatever. But everything here was um, choreographed by Sammo Hung when he was just starting out as well, when mm-hmm. he and Jackie Chan were starting out before he had really made a name for himself, and it is absolutely terrific. Um, wonderful Joseph Koo music. If you're a fan of this genre, this is one of the all time classics. Can't recommend it highly enough. Really, really great. Also includes a, um, a discussion from the uh, the uh, New York Asian Film Festival and an essay by Stephen Tao, uh, and then uh, a few others here. Let's see. We've got more recent film, The Swindlers. Uh, this is also from WellGo. The Swindlers is a uh, pretty straightforward crime story, um, a little bit in the vein of Infernal Affairs uh not obviously not as good as infernal affairs but uh you know it's it's all about kind of trying to how to trap a con man and a team that has to come together to uh to take down a notorious con man some really really good performances here solid film not brilliant but solid um similarly good is the island the island is uh, a little bit wackier a little funnier um it's the kind of film that I usually don't necessarily like because it's uh, it's one of these new generation of big budget uh, kind of dunderheaded um, Chinese epics that are they're just trying to copy big budget things from Hollywood. Um, but that said, there's some they play this tongue in cheek enough that you can sort of laugh at it. So as long as they're not playing it straight, you can enjoy this and. I guess you could say it splits a difference somewhere between Indiana Jones and The Hangover, ah. uh, which I know sounds weird, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's silly, it's uh, adventurous, it, uh, it involves a meteorite that may strike the earth, it involves, uh, you know, possibly winning the lottery, uh, and a whole bunch of stuff that really doesn't belong in the same movie, and yet somehow it all kind of uh, plays out in a... In a rather silly way, uh, so it's the island. Kei is in it, which is maybe why I like it so much because I can't really I'm I'm incapable of liking disliking anything that Chukay is in. All the rest of the guys I'm, I can take them or leave them. And the last one is an absolutely brilliant movie. Uh, I am very sad that this didn't get more play here. It is a uh, Cohen Cohen Media Group's Blu-ray release of Ash is the Purest White, yeah. the new film from uh, Jia jacques to whom we gave the uh, LAFCA Award for Best Foreign Language Film a few years ago for uh, A Touch of Sin. Uh, Jia is probably the—of his generation, he's the first real artist uh, to emerge from Chinese independent cinema since Zhang Yimou and Shen Kaiga and the the directors of the fifth generation. Uh, This is an absolutely devastating, powerful, powerful movie— um it's it's you know over 2 hours as most of his his films are and um it it centers around a um an unfortunate crime that is an act of uh devotion and loyalty and the punishment that ensues and um what dovetails afterwards and i wouldn't call it a revenge story it is a story about as most of Zhang Zhuko's movies are, it's a story about bureaucracy in China, the price of a uh, a society that has perhaps lost its moral bearings. Mm. And I will, that's what I will say about it. It is a really powerful film. Uh, not, obviously, not as ambitious as something like A Touch of Sin, but certainly um, not not far away. So that is uh, Ash is the purest white. Definitely check that out on Blu-ray.
1: Ah, uh, a few more over here. Yeah uh so so this this is this is a movie called called run which is uh, slightly interesting uh josiah uh, David Warren directed this movie um so it's about this guy young businessman marries a young woman uh who's a reporter on human trafficking young beautiful woman yeah uh uh played by taylor murphy now she she goes and does this investigation of this sort of sex trafficking organization uh and it doesn't occur to her that as a young beautiful woman it, it, this might not be a good idea. That's <laughs> so what happens. She gets kidnapped, and, and it's in the process of being sold into human slavery because, you know what, sex traffickers are assholes. The hit yeah. guy here is played by Stephen Baldwin. I think all the Baldwins can only play villains now. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So you had Billy Baldwin. You had you know Alec, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and this is Stephen Baldwin. At a, there was a point, middle 90s, early 90s, middle 90s, and they were there was all these handsome, young, leading men who played heroes. And now they they, they they're not. <laughs> and and they all play bad guys. That's they just, interesting. It, that's all they play in movies. That about, is bad really guy. interesting. Uh, anyway, I this, of that. this is a this is a, this is a this is a fairly decent movie. What's weird about it, also, given the subject matter, is that it's approved by Dove, the, the Dove organization, oh, yeah, Dove yeah. Yeah. who usually sort of give their stamp of approval to these sort the of movies about people. kids and animals. Kids and animals, maybe <laughs> some uh, quasi <laughs> faith based kind of yeah. stuff. And I'm thinking they looked at this movie about human <laughs> sex trafficking <laughs> it, with Billy Baldwin playing this absolutely atrocious guy and thought, yeah, this is one of ours for the family. And I'm like, I don't don't think so. (laughs) Nevertheless, run, uh, approved by the Dove organization. They got it. Trace Atkins is in two movies that I have in hand here. One is called Wild uh, Faith, which is a little bit interesting, set right after the Civil War, but mostly in the state of Michigan. We think about the Civil War, we think about the South all the time. This is about uh, a soldier, Union soldier, uh, just at the end of the war, wants to go back home to Michigan, but he made this promise to this black soldier, black Union soldier, uh, to take care of his family, to bring his family out of the South to come live with him in Michigan. So, the, so he does, you know, and it, it turns out to be a more arduous thing than you would think because in Michigan, uh, this black woman with her son and this white uh, 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 Civil War veteran are still not, are still not uh, going down that well. So, but an interesting setting about with an interesting story. Featuring Trace Atkins. So we bump over to The Outsider, uh-huh. uh, which is a film that stars Trace Atkins. Now, Trace <laughs> Atkins is, is, a, is a country singer. Well, I'm thinking not anymore. Yeah, I'm thinking because, you know, you see Trace on lots of stuff. Sure. Because he has that voice. Sounds like yeah. Leghorn Fargo. You know. yeah. uh, so he, he's just putting that to work now. I think Trace is actually a cowboy actor. Nevertheless, uh, here here again we have this sort of interesting uh... interesting movie about revenge uh... small town uh... he plays uh... Uh, he plays the sheriff or the marshal, technically speaking. He's trying to control this small town where everybody's corrupt and doing all sorts of terrible things. you got Sean Patrick Flannery here. you got Danny Trejo here. If you're ever wondering what these guys are doing uh, when Danny's not selling tacos all around town. <laughs> Vegetarian, Vegetarian ta- vegan tacos. Vegetarian Vegan tacos. Vegan tacos. Yeah. You go, know, Danny, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, if he says so. <laughs> uh, you, you wonder where these guys go. This is where they go. They go and they make movies like this. This is actually an okay little film. Not fantastic, but if you're into sort of, uh, you know, uh, funky westerns with a lot of shootouts and stuff like that, this will get you wait, over the hump. Which,
0: which there's some of that in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, too. Exactly. I want him to look like a
1: hippie. <laughs> when he comes out with that. I yeah. know. Uh, you, know, you know who that was playing uh,
0: Sam Wanamaker? Oh, uh, who was that? That was, that was uh, Nicholas Hammond oh really that was i know it took me a minute too so yeah the, d- director sam wanamaker well, with the hair it, yeah. you just like wanamaker i i i, I uh I, I, sam wanamaker director sam wanamaker in uh, in once upon a time in uh, in uh, hollywood comes in working with uh and i'm like I, why do i know that guy how do i know and then it took me a minute i'm like holy cow it's nicholas hammond from sound of music and spider-man yeah there
1: he is <laughs> that's so funny great so casting funny. Great casting. Well, the casting of that movie, except for – we're going on a little aside yeah. here. Um, Damien uh, Damian Lewis, I think it was, who was played Steve McQueen for that few seconds? Yeah. Not right. You know he, – He's older than Steve McQueen is when, now. He's older yeah. now than yeah. Steve McQueen was when he died.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, here's the funny thing. A lot of people have been posting pictures of Damien Lewis mm-hmm. with a picture of a young Steve McQueen – and it may actually be the only picture ever taken of Steve McQueen where he looks like Damian Lewis.
1: <laughs> it has to be. Because
0: they, they, they're bending over backwards to find the one. Yeah. So like, look, don't they look a lot alike? Yeah, but that day. Thinking, yeah, that day. <laughs> but at no other time
1: in either one of their careers. Uh, has a funny line in that yeah. movie, though. The funny, yeah. funny line in that movie. You, 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 you so plainly, uh, uh, Sharon Tate's like, uh, likes little men who look like twelve-year-old yeah. boys. And and Damien Lewis, Steve McQueen says, "I never had a shot." Yeah, <laughs> that was hysterical to me. So many wonderful little jokes in that movie. Uh-huh. Breakthrough, uh, which is loosely based on a true story, a sort of quasi faith-based film. Uh about a little boy uh, uh who drowns in a lake, and his yeah. mother prays for him to, to, to come back from the breath of death, and, and, and you know, and the miracle happens and all of that. Um all fine. A lovely little movie, uh put together nice nicely. Josh Lucas Topher Grace, Mike Coulter in the in, in the film, Dennis Haysberg in the film. More more most interestingly, it's directed by Roxanne Dawson. Uh Roxanne Dawson played Bolana Torres on the Star Trek. Well, you know, and played lots of wonderful actors from way back in the day, but she played Bolana Torres. Uh, on the, what was I guess that would have been Voyager um, uh, that she was on back there. So uh, interesting that she has really go look her up. She has a really wonderful career, Roxanne, uh, after all those years on television as a director. And I just you know I just want to point out uh, that there uh, there's a track uh, for these for these folks to take um, for women to take, and they're sort of establishing themselves very solidly doing this thing. So this is a nice little inspiring film for the whole family. Um, bugged me a little bit. This movie, the mom in this movie, uh, who's playing, who's being uh, played by Chrissy, uh, Chrissy Metz. Uh, yeah, she was kind <laughs> of <You know? laughs> totally. yeah. yeah. irritating. You know, the character that she's playing was irritating. You know, her, and I'm like, yeah. you know, I, I get what you're doing here for your boy and all that kind of stuff, but you know what? You're being a little bitchy. So this next one you, you,
0: that you just pulled nah, out, Missing Link. Now let me tell you something about Missing Link. This is why this is funny. Uh, because uh, uh, I have a friend staying with me right now. Uh, Siggraph is going on right now at the LA Convention Center. No. Siggraph is a is a whole digital d- digital Hollywood kind of digital, digital everything. It's yeah. A, anyway, so a friend of mine is staying with me, uh, who is a CG amazing CGI artist. He was one of the guys who animated Gollum. Ah. He lived. He lived in New Zealand. Worked for Weta for years on on Lord of the Rings films and on King Kong. Uh, did he did stuff for uh, for uh, Rhythm and Hues. In any case, he's working for Leica right now, mm-hmm. and he worked on this. Oh, really? Every bird he animate. Now this is now mind you, Leica is a stop motion company. Yeah, but they have a digital wing. And he was telling me just last night. We're just sitting there, just talking, and and he's like, "Oh yeah, I anime. every bird in Missing Link is mine. <laughs> every bird. He did every bird in Missing Link.
1: That's funny. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, a decent movie did okay. Uh, Hugh Jackman, Zoe uh, Saldana. It was really Anna Perna. That was the
0: problem. Yeah, Anna didn't Perna d- didn't did know the marketing. Didn't did didn't know understand the marketing it. for yeah. it. I,
1: I I think Hugh Jackman plays this adventurer who goes out on these fantastic. He's funny as heck. Yeah. And the, the character is funny yes. and he is funny as the character. Uh, Zoe Saldana is sort of a, a Death Defined Assistant, and then Zach playing this quote-unquote missing link, which is why – it's funny because people look at the uh, – when they would look at this artwork of that, that particular character, and they would be like, yeah, what is he, a gorilla? Is he i yeah. – I'm like, no, he's not a gorilla. If he were a gorilla, he wouldn't be a missing link. He's, it's, exactly. It's, it's, he is a missing link. He, he can't be anything that we know, yeah. which is why he doesn't look like – Anything that we know—that's uh, thus the title. But you know what? Some people are dense. Nevertheless,
0: yeah. certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm just looking at a picture of Sam Wanamaker right now. <laughs> you know, he moved when he was an actor. He moved to the UK because he was afraid of being blacklisted. Oh, really? Yeah, well, that's, that's <laughs> interesting. And then he came back and directed a lot of a lot of really uh, kind of epic television in the in the '60s and '70s. I mean, it's kind of kind of mad. He even he directed all the way into the '80s. He directed the last thing he did was a Columbo TV movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. In the '80s. It's that's it's crazy. all it's 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 amazing these folks, you look at them, how much of that material we we watched but didn't know we were watching. That particular material by that particular guy. Yeah. Sam Wanamaker, that hair always cracked me the hell up. Yeah. Uh, um,
0: I got the line from Primary Colors, too, by the way. uh, I had to look that up. I had to look it up. Billy Bob Thornton playing Richard Gemmins, basically a thinly veiled version uh, of uh, Jimmy
1: Carvel. James James Carvel. Carvel, Yeah. Uh,
0: You just called me a redneck, which I'm proud to say I am. And you, Hodgkiss, are a honky. You just look black, and it's the best part of you. Lets you intimidate the pale faces, especially liblabs. Lets you work that voodoo sexual mm, on white girls. Well, I'm probably blacker than you are. I got some slave in me. I can feel it.
1: <laughs> can't write that, is, any, of can't that into write a any of today. that today. Not, not, no. Can't make. The, oh, d- man.
0: The development executives would lose their minds. Oh, they were like, oh, are you kidding me.
1: <laughs> notes. Talk about the notes. Oh, my God. Uh, Mountain Rest uh, with Francis Conroy, uh, which which is actually a very good and poignant movie, has a lot to do with, in in common with, uh, say, Woody Allen's September. Yep. It sure does. Uh, About it's about this actress, uh, elderly actress, who's moved off to this mountain. Uh, She's estranged from her daughter and her granddaughter, but she wants them to come and see her, you know, so that they can put some things to rest. And and, you know, it's it's just a pretty sort of heavy uh, drama, but it's it's but it's moving in an Ingmar Bergman film kind of way. Uh, And Frances Conroy, uh, what what can one say about her? She's absolutely uh, fantastic. Special features include uh, interviews and deleted scenes and of the trailer. Fantastic. So Um, do TV. uh, TV, Yeah, let's jump
0: jump into the TV. Well, I'll I'll
1: do this. I'll do this set right here for sure because you know how I am about my Doctor Who. So uh, from the BBC, from the BBC, um, uh, a number of seasons of Doctor Who. Let me see if I can put them in order to speak to you here. So we have, uh, let's see, Doctor Who: The Time Meddler. This is from the William Hartnell years. 1963, 1966. Um, uh, I, I adore all of the Doctor Whos. Uh, they're, all, they're all fantastic as far as I'm concerned. I have no issues with any Doctor Whos. I happen to be a Tom Baker man. Yeah. But I love the series during this period. It changed a lot uh, from, from when William played the character to the way it worked, the, the you know the granddaughter stuff went away as as we sort of moved forward into the series. But these are still really wonderful episodes. These are almost all on set. These William Hartnell years uh, series DVD extras are just packed here, including audio commentary from uh, the producer Verity Lambert uh, and Peter Purvis and so many other people. Uh, Donald Tothbury. So you know if, if you're if you're a Doctor Who completist, you're definitely going to want that also. Uh, in that pack, we pop over to Patrick, Patrick Troughton, 1966-1969, uh, came in right after Will Hartnell. Uh, this is when we got to meet the Daleks, I believe, uh, when he was there. Again, packed with all sorts of stuff. Series was still in black and white uh, at this period and a lot of fun. Um, then we pop over to Sean Pertwee, who I also love. I, I, I love that Sean Pertwee's son plays uh, Alfred, uh, yeah, the butler yeah. on uh, 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 Gotham. Yeah, Uh, because he 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 looks now exactly like his father did in 1970 74, and I always thought to myself, put a wig on him and wrap it and put him in that sort of dandy outfit that John Pertwee used to wear, and he would be a perfect. Yeah, yeah yeah a little reboot of that. This one is kind of neat because it crosses over a little bit between uh Trouton and Hartnell and Pertwee. We see that the you know the that that thing that the that the doctor does. And then uh we have the straight up uh John Pertwee years uh 1970-1974 Planet of the Spiders uh, that series was absolutely fantastic. And then, of course, for me, 1974, 1981, the Tom Baker years, Doctor Who, The Sunmakers, which again was a fantastic uh, series that went on there. That in, included in that series is the character Layla, uh, uh, who is this female, uh, sort of barbarian jungle girl that the Doctor picks up on one of his travels. And I really, really loved her character coming into the series because it marked a transition from treating the women sort of like as girls who fall down and just sort of like ran around behind the doctor and screamed a lot. Uh, her character changed all of that. And, 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 and as we move forward to having a female doctor today, a female doctor today, you can start to see that transition here with Layla's character. She had a knife, and she simply wanted to kill everything. There you go. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's my kind of girl. <laughs> you think it through, Doc. When you're <laughs> done over there, I'm going to stab it. Uh, and you've got to love that. So the
0: uh second season of Titans is about to uh premiere on September 6th and uh I didn't even know that this existed. And I I pride myself on keeping track of all of the Berlanti stuff that, uh, that you know the all the DC Universe Berlanti yeah, Greg stuff. Volante, yeah. Uh you, you know Supergirl and uh, all the Arrowverse stuff, Supergirl and, and and Bat Batwoman is now added the Flash obviously I'm obsessed with. Uh and and Arrow and um and, and then I, I discovered that there's this thing called Titans. I had no idea. I had no idea. It, it was on TNT. I, I absolutely no clue that this show even existed. It's, a, it's the strangest thing. But um, here it is. And uh, first season is out on Blu-ray. And you know what? It's actually quite good. Um, it's, not, it's not part of the Arrowverse. It, is, uh, it seems to be nominally connected to Gotham. So they're not, it's not a, all a single universe, obviously, with all the TV shows, uh, although it does seem like the new Alfred show on uh, S.T.A.R.S. Mm. is connected to Gotham. Ah, yeah. Yeah, with the, you know, Alfred as the young yeah. spy guy. But um, anyway, this is, this is basically uh, Teen Titans as a, as a show. It, they've started with four, a very simple four, which, in, which is Robin, obviously the Dick Grayson Robin, along with uh, Raven and Beast Boy and Starfire. And uh, the first season is very premium, 11 episodes. It's 11-episode arc. It's very impressive. It's really well put together. Akiva Goldsman worked on this with Greg Berlanti and Jeff Johns. So it's a good team of people. And uh, I, I think it's sharp, and I can't wait to see where they go with this show. Interesting. Uh, it also includes uh, 13 featurettes to go along with the 11 episodes. So I, would, I I'd recommend checking that out.
1: BB from the BBC Just another extraordinary uh, This is the eighth, eighth season of Call the Midwife yeah, uh, it's just another another outstanding, excellent British series. I, you know, they 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 do them uh, yeah, like nobody else can I do know. them. I know. Uh, Particularly the ones that are set. I, I I'm particularly coming. I mean, sure, you had your Down nabby set in the 30s and 40s, and 50s, but the stuff that's set in the 60s, that mod pop yeah. era, yeah. Uh, where things were just sort of transitioning uh, all over the world, but certainly in the UK and women were coming into their own power, and the women's movement was underway. Uh, that's those are the really interesting shows that they watch here, and very interesting sort of scenarios pop-up in this series so this is season eight it's really really good call the midwives you can't you can't go wrong with that um, uh... blu-ray and digital lonesome dove man this series uh... this uh, t- uh... television miniseries is 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 what it was when it came out it was just really a um uh... An extraordinary it was like it was like watching an old-school western but on television it was so true and so real tommy lee jones robert duvall danny glover Diane Lane, Robert York. Um, yeah, Robert York still had hair back then. That was uh, that, that was <laughs> that was lovely too. Anyway, uh, really really great series, mostly directed by Simon Windsor. Uh, bonus features include the making of the epic series and uh, the, the, the casting interviews and original sketches and uh, you're on location with him. Lonesome Dove, just a just a beautiful movie a uh, beautiful western uh, television series, uh, Forever Night, the complete series. This was an interesting concept for a series. Basically, you got yourself a 13th century vampire uh, living uh, in in, in, in uh, present-day Toronto. He doesn't want to be a vampire anymore, but he is. But he decides one way that he can do to uh, atone for his previous life and perhaps uh, uh, achieve the possibility of reverting to humanity is by becoming a cop. And being a good cop and, uh, and, and and take it but he's you know still a vampire. That's a good idea for a television series. Yeah, that is a that is a cool idea. I, I think so. Anyway, it lasted three seasons, seventy episodes, that's they're all in premise. this box. That's a yeah, good that's premise. That's a good premise. That's a good premise. They're all in this box. Forever night, the complete series. We've got Murdoch
0: Mysteries Season 12 on Blu-ray from Acorn and Acorn TV. Uh, look, this is basically a British detective show. Yeah, it, I know it's Canadian. It's set in Toronto, but it might as well not be. If this were set in 1895 London instead of 1895 Toronto, yeah, be the
1: exact same show. The exact be, same show. No I always enjoyed the Murdoch Mystery. He's basically sort of Sherlock Holmes, but not. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and yeah. all that sort of period stuff is going on
0: yeah, there. Yeah, you know. it's fun. And you know what? 12 seasons, it still sings. It still hums. Everybody knows their characters. Everybody's really, really right on the money. And the nice thing about this show is that it continues to... it it touches on a lot of the uh, the really interesting forensic developments yeah. that happen kind of turn of the century. It's yeah. like you know early CSI.
1: Just just that point as as as, as, as they're
0: starting to integrate science, science into into, into the the uh, deductive And
1: again, they it. enfranchised women in that show. They gave us the the, 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 the yeah. central coroner was yeah. a woman, and yeah. then she has a little sister. And, and so I love the way they show. they were bright about doing that. It's a good show. Eighteen
0: episodes in season twelve. They just keep on trucking. This is one of the one of the best things on Canadian and British uh, TV. Uh, here's a show that I didn't know existed this is a Netflix show Uh, everything gets lost on Netflix Uh, this is this is Tim Cogshell's worst nightmare it is BoJack Horseman I'm sorry those
1: talking animals
0: (laughs) I will never forget I can't even remember what movie it was but this was years ago right after we first met and you you expressed how much anthropomorphized (laughs) cartoon characters drive you crazy uh, and the ones animals. that are only
1: partridge, like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Look, if he can talk, he can talk. What the hell is that dog doing? <laughs> you know, it's bad enough that you got the talking dog. That dog ain't even talking. <laughs> no, nah, it's horrible. Uh,
0: well, BoJack Horseman is this weird animated show. Uh, 25 episodes in first two seasons together on this boxed set now. It is a collector's edition. It is seasons one and two.
1: Uh, it's I know a, that show is meant to be a little dark and depressing. And just well, it's, a it's, very, supposed very,
0: it's supposed to be very—it's supposed to be very, um, uh, very kind of adult swim-ish. Yeah, it's, it's going for the adult swim audience, and the idea here is that in some weird alternative universe, uh, it's okay, like, like kind of animals and, and animal-human hybrids, and we all live together, and nobody seems to really notice. Yeah, and Bojack Horseman is this dude, basically, a dude with the head of a horse who's having a midlife crisis like yeah. if homer simpson weren't quite so ridiculous and had the head of a horse and were a little and were like a character from seinfeld or the or the or the the, the bob newhart show <laughs> yeah. uh, that's what he is he's ba- <laughs> you know what he is he's basically bill daly from the bob newhart show ah, that's what yeah. he is with the head of a horse
1: yeah, it's the yeah. weirdest yeah. thing in the and world de- and a little on the depressed side
0: so there's a there's there there are commentaries on here don't help you understand what's going on. Uh, and, the, you know, it, I, it's... I think
1: all those guys, uh, all those animators and writers are just avoiding going to therapy. Uh, rather than go to therapy, they make that cartoon. It's
0: a little bit... It, it reminds me a little bit of uh, King of the Hill in some aspects. And uh, it certainly has that same kind of acerbic quality to it. So it's a little Mike Judgey, but, uh But, you know, hey, I yeah, do I want to watch any more of it? Not really, nah. but... You yeah, know, it's funny, it's, but it's, it left it, it me has, a little. It
1: left me a little depressed. Yeah, every episode. Yeah, you know, I'm <laughs> so like, this totally. is funny, but I don't feel good about myself.
0: Yeah, I hear you. And then the complete first season of Manifest, uh, another new series that just went completely under my radar. Yeah, uh, this is a, a Warner Brothers series that uh, I, I it, you know, it's a, it's it means to be kind of a, a nostalgic show. Um, like we might have had in the 80s, maybe early 80s, mm-hmm. late 70s is is kind of what it seems to hearken to. um b- but I'm not sure that it really kind of pulls it off. It wants to split that with lost. yeah, 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 right? it it's, wants it's to be trying like to do that, that losty it w- kind of thing. It you wants know? To what happened? what's like going on? Falcon Crest meets lost, yeah, maybe is what's what's going on here? um, you know, it centers on this this uh airplane. Yeah, it's a touch of airplane in here too, right? Yeah, Lost, yeah. Meet, Lost meets airplane. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Because the plane, uh, the, the plane, the plane disappears. It's gone for I don't know five years, something yeah. like that, and then comes back. And everybody on the plane is the same age as they were when the plane disappeared. Uh, so you know something wacky's going on. It's a good cast, but uh,
0: but you know Lost. And you know they
1: of- they never the thing that bugged me about about that series, and Lost too for that matter. Yeah, is they never really get to it. They never yeah. really just say, This is what happened, folks. Yeah. You know, and I'm sorry, I don't want to be left dangling like that. You know, you start a story like this, I want you to take me home, get me across the finish line. Yeah. Lost didn't do it. No. You know, and, and they didn't know where they were going. They didn't know where they were going. And, uh, and yeah. so rabbit hole, and like, yeah. rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole. And then next thing you know, you're just in the damn rabbit hole. <laughs>
0: Uh, you know, as long as we, we got right at the end of the show here, let me just make a quick mention of a uh, an anime. We got a bunch of anime that we're going to hold off until next week. But uh, Shout keeps giving us some really really great animated anime titles, thanks to G Kids. Shout and G Kids have a thing going on right now together, and uh, there are other arrangements that Shout is making with other companies so that they can they can bolster all of their uh, their uh, animation and anime bona fides. And one of them is a really interesting movie called Penguin Highway. Um, this is a, a completely beautiful movie. I had no idea it even existed. It's one of the most interesting anime films uh, that I've seen in the last 20 years, I would say at least. And uh, it's deal- it, as much anime always does, it often does, it deals with kids. And in this case, these are like kid scientists uh, living in the suburb, way far away from the ocean and penguins start appearing Mm. and it's and of course it winds up you know they have to sort of do the thing that kids do in stranger things and everything else they got to get to the bottom of the mystery the bottom so it does have that quality to it but there's more to it like it's very symbolic this is almost an allegory and i won't tell you know Mm. as anime and a lot of japanese stuff often is allegory is a big part of it you know the w- number one thousand uh, volume of the Criterion Collection is coming out, and it's going to be all the Godzilla movies on uh, Criterion, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Godzilla is an allegory too. Yeah, yeah. Where they kind of forgot that?
1: about that in the middle in the middle uh, '80s and 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. And then they, oh, oh yeah, yeah, we got to get back it was to that. about nuclear war.
0: But uh, Penguin Highway is a beautiful, beautiful movie. It is really sweet. It is one, is touching. It's lovely. They include a uh, an interview with the director, uh, Hirayasu Ishida, m- not terribly well known to me at least uh, the author of the original material and uh, it's, it's it's really lovely so Penguin Highway check that out on a Blu-ray DVD combo set from Shot Factory with that we are done and uh, we will see you guys next week go
1: see go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in, in Hollywood uh, two hours and 40 minutes is that about yeah, right that's it yeah yeah, yeah worth it